Oh, hey there, listeners and juicers. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you have fallen in love with the Draw Your Dice podcast and want to help put some new fruit on the table, but don't feel comfortable making a monthly commitment, well, you can support the show via the ACAST supporter feature. No gift too large, nor too small. Just click on the link in the show description and know that I am sending you the strongest hug when you do so. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I want, I want like people to see the thought process, right? Like I want people to be like, you could make these things. Like this isn't like, not just like, oh, I have brain blast ideas. It's like, how do you like think about like how do you think about games like I think about games right like how do you get to a point where you're confident in yourself to make a big project and it's not something that is daunting welcome to the draw your dice podcast the show that calls on the champions and new contenders of the tabletop rpg arena my name is jeremy gage and i am learning about tabletop game design and publishing If you are a budding game designer or a veteran looking for fresh musings, stay tuned as we learn about the inspirations, processes, and philosophies of professionals in the industry. All right, well then, welcome to the design trends sort of break in the show. So Mm -hmm. normally what I ask guests here is that whatever is like, pinging on your radar consistently like in your in your spheres of influence twitter discords whatever have you in the game design circles what sort of trends are you seeing that you're really uh, happy that people are exploring Mm -hmm. or what are some trends that you're seeing are i know that a couple of guests have been or or at least i don't i don't want to point i'll probably i don't want to point fingers at any other guests but are there any trends that you're seeing that are detractive in the scene that maybe you wish would stop being a thing? Or are there any trends that you want to speak into the ether that you want to see come to uh, fruition? Right. I think the thing that I'm really liking in the scene right now is I think we're, ta- we're talking about like a variety of game and like what is game and stuff like that. I think like the push for figuring out like digital like being able to play games digitally is like something that i really like like these tabletop games that are designed for the digital space which you know came up due to necessity due to Mm -hmm. a global pandemic (laughs) um uh, and like and you you know you've had wonderful guests on who've talked about that like 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 williams and animes Mm -hmm. and stuff but then like 
I think like that. That's the thing that I really like is you see a lot of people. I, this is the GMless corner, I guess. But like, not not even like again, not even just GMless, but like this this idea of I'm seeing a bunch of games that are coming out that like after like kind of like Lyric Games did I think a wonder to the itch scene at least and like the indie tabletop scene where like if you are hip to them and like again like engage with them. Uh, on their level like you you take them seriously because there's still a lot of people who don't really take lyric games seriously and i think that Mm -hmm. they are they're losing they're like missing out on like Mm -hmm. very crucial and interesting theory and design like Mm -hmm. i i don't really design lyric games too much i've designed maybe like one or two but it's not how my brain works but because i have paid attention to them because i read them because i like know designers who think like that it has enriched me a lot and so in that space like you know there is this wonderful synthesis that's happening of like kind of like exponential knowledge and like growth where you go like, Oh, a game can be this. Like you can take this from this game and like, you know, push it in weird ways. Like, what does it mean? I know like something like something that I've been thinking about now a lot is after space between stars where it's like, everybody has the same powers. Like it's GM less to the, to its extreme where like, you know, everybody is playing the exact same game and like you all have like all the different powers and it's very internal like technically this game could be solo now that i think about it like to a degree and like you know you're all like kind of moving and like everybody has say in every aspect of this narrative and in every way outside of your own personal character and there's like this like gm agnostic idea of like pseudo gmless right like Mm -hmm. opt-in powers like so it's like you know I'm trying to like think of specific examples, but like, it's just something that I've been like seeing a lot more in games that are being made this like, Oh, I mean like band of blades, I would say is, is, is not GM agnostic, but mm-hmm. it, like GM lessened, I think is a good term for it. But like, mm-hmm. Oh, like let's, let's broaden our horizons. Let's like break out of frameworks. I think that's, that's the other thing that I really like is I'm seeing a lot of like original game design happening mm-hmm. uh, or like hacks that are moving stuff in like, bigger directions right like this like Mm -hmm. kind of ambitious breakdowns of genre like somebody who doesn't have like an encyclopedic knowledge of like what the scene does i know a lot of people who are like oh i know a lot about these games and where they come from and like you know it's just it's so much so like the the to i keep needing to reel myself back in but like again like that trend of like i'm seeing games think about games I'm seeing mm-hmm. designers think about play and interaction. Like you, like uh, a lot of game jams are like, what, like what, what if we just make games that are like, you know, that that just kind of focus on like a format. Mm-hmm. Games that focus on like hacks of indie games. So it's like, you know, here's an original indie game system. So it's not even like let's make like there's no like like it's not like a PBTA jam, right? Mm-hmm. It's a one move jam. So mm-hmm. it's like a game where the it's it's a jam where like only one you only have one move or a one scene jam, right? Like all these like little things where it's like let's actually explore what it means like let's let's explore this idea of like these little nuggets of design that change that should be i like i hope should be kind of getting people to think about what are norms like what you kind of what we kind of take for granted as designers and then Mm -hmm. like consider them what does it Mm -hmm. mean to write a game that just has one move suddenly like that one verb has so much weight to it what is a game that takes place in one scene what is a game that takes place like 
you know, like even just like, let's make games that use the D4, right? Like, just think about the D4, right? Like, I... <laughs> the only reason I'm laughing is because there is this dichotomy that's happening in brain trust between those who do and do not like the D4, and for everyone that's listening that does not like the D4, that's it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you, I'm tur- for all those people, I used to be against D4s. I used to be like, I hate them. And then I like thought about them. I gave them some time. I spent like 40 <laughs> minutes just rolling D4s, thinking about them. Right? Like, and then like, I think like, like limitation goes a long way. I, th- I think like, especially for a learning tool, right? Like when you think to yourself, boy, I hate, and I'm not asking people to like be uncomfortable. Like yeah. if you're like, I genuinely hate using the D4, I'm not going to tell them they have to do this. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Design a game that just has D4s, right? Like if you, if you don't understand, like if you're like, I don't know why people would want to use it, design a game that just uses D4s. And then even more so, think about them in an, in a sense that is outside of just rolling them, right? Like mm-hmm. why do you hate them? I hate, a lot of people say, I hate rolling them. They don't roll. I go like, okay, what can you do with D4s? other than rolling them or like how do you make rolling them more fun or like you know what i mean like think like what is like to talk about like interaction right like what does it mean to interact with the dice you play i've been tossing around this term a lot which i think like i i've been like consolidating a little bit more which is like considered design mm-hmm. it's it's broad but the idea is you don't it's again, like you don't take things for granted. You don't say my game has a GM because games have GMs. Mm-hmm. You kind of say like, like, why does my game need a GM? And it's, and the idea can just be like, I want somebody to have control of uh, the story more. Right. That's mm-hmm. considering it. Right. Like I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not saying you need to like write a thesis on why your game. Has, mm-hmm. I'm just saying like, why does it have a GM? Tell me why. And then usually sometimes people will think about it like because of that. Like I think about it because of that I go like, does my name does my game need a GM when I think why does my game need a GM or mm-hmm. how do I make my GM more interesting how do I make that role more mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. right like why does my game roll 2d6 like oh because that's PBTA like because the math is done right like a lot of people are like you know the forge and the John Harper already did the dice math forge in a dark dice system works mm-hmm. and that's fine I do that a lot too I hate dice math so i feel like somebody <laughs> else did it. yeah i was like somebody else did it for me like sure why not but like <laughs> consider oh I, I t- by the way to loop this back to the initial question what i like is happening is the like thinking about design what i want to see happening more is people talking like considered design like mm-hmm. think why like 2d6 does not make pbta you know what i mean mm-hmm. like, yes yeah that's like that's the thing that I, th- I think is like or even just like rolling two dice doesn't make pbta right like why and similarly i'm like you should reference and be aware of your influences but don't be afraid to say that this is my thing right Mm -hmm. like you can say like this is a this is a hack of a pbta game but also like if you've put a ton of effort into it like be proud of it be like i've Mm -hmm. made a thing right like if you Mm -hmm. think oh i changed 2d6 to 2d8 you're kind of like, and, and it uses moves, but it has like a blaze in the dark st- style of things. You're, you're kit bashing a game, but you're, you've still made your own thing. I've moved on to a different thing, but like <laughs> this, this, this all, this all loops back. Into it all comes thing. together. Yeah. It all comes together into considered design, right? Like think about like, I want people to ask themselves questions more, I think is mm-hmm. the thing, right? Like, like 
I, I again, a th- thing I always talk about is I say like, I think about rolling dice a lot, right? Mm. Like, what does it feel to roll these dice? Why do you roll these dice? Like, what dice are you rolling and how does it feel to roll them? When you do a dice pool system, people are like, I love just rolling a bunch of dice. And I'm like, that rules. Think about that, like mull that over. How do you make a game that gets people to consider the fact that you are rolling a bunch of dice? Like, Mm -hmm. I, I like, and I can sometimes tell when it's just like, oh, I've made a game that uses a system because the system does it, right? Mm-hmm. Like even in hacks, it's like, oh, the system does this thing, so I do this thing. And and to use like kind of established stuff, I'd say like, I like the game Monster of the Week, right? Mm-hmm. But like Monster of the Week does a lot of things that Apocalypse World does because Apocalypse World does it. Like that's how I kind of feel. There's a lot of just reskinning. Mm-hmm. It's a fun game, but it's it's clunky. It's old. Like I think, and then you look at newer PBTA mm-hmm. design, and you go. Like, Passion de las Passiones, yep. right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I was about to that say That game is a PBTA game, but it doesn't roll dice. <laughs> it, like, or sorry, no, it, it doesn't have stats. It mm-hmm. uses, like, conditions. Like, like, they are the same genre, but you can clearly tell that Passion considered PBTA. You know, mm-hmm. it considered its medium. It thought about what it's doing. And I, and I like that. Like, that, that's kind of what I want people to, I think, be more open about. I see it in the world, but I think, like, the more we are allowed to question productively. You know what I mean? Like not point fingers and be like, why did you think this? Like, I don't want other people to be like, why the f- like, how dare you? Where's your you? dissertation? Hit me with the theory, dude. Ex- no, exactly. Like sometimes the answer is I like it and I'll be yep. like, cool, make games that you fucking like playing. Like mm-hmm. you should never be forced to do what you don't want to do. All of my games I make are games that I want to play. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So like similarly, like I think that's that's what I want to see. I love exploring what design is and I want kind of more open discussions about like why you think that or like or why you shouldn't move past like you know like why you should think differently or like yeah. People are like, I don't like the D4. The D4 is just the greatest example of this. I don't like the D4. And when I go, why? Right? You'll give like legit reasons. And then I'll be like, how would you do it differently? Like what, mm-hmm. ha, what, what would you do if you could only roll D4s? Right? Well, that's um, the only dice that existed, right? The Royal Game of Ur, like the oldest game known to man. I think so. No, Royal Game of Ur is not the oldest game. It's a very old game. Uses D4. And I love it. I... The other day I was just considering like, instead of there's this, there's this uh, keyword in my game called I- integrity and it's for like HP of like a door or a creature or something like that and something I'm spending with. And it, cause my game is heavily based on Magic the Gathering concepts. I remember having life point countdown die and mm-hmm. I loved how like when you lost life, you would turn the die over yeah. to indicate that HP, right? So like, why not do the same thing with different sizes of dice that both creates a free miniature for mm-hmm. you, the person, so you don't have to buy like a dragon mini and putting a D20 on your tactical play map, it feels way different than putting a D4 on the play map, right? Exactly, so yeah. different ways to use the dice to just kind of like resonate with what you were saying. A hundred percent. And I love that. I, I, want people to use dice in weird ways it yeah it, it brings me life amazing what a great what a great trend session
future games, what you're working on now. I mean, I'm sure you're working on like five games at one time, but the one that you pitched to me is Epsilon Ooh. Engine. So, Viditya, talk about <laughs> Epsilon Engine. Oh, boy, I love this game that I make it. It's like... <laughs> I love my games. <laughs> I love... Listen, I do. Uh, is there a game that I made that I don't like? No. Yeah. I don't think no. so. I've got a big brain. <laughs> I've got a big brain, and I'm not afraid to say... The world I mean, is there, better for it, I promise. Are, are there things in my games that I wish I could do again differently? Sure, but, like, they're done. Like, I have newer, better games to work on, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, I'm not going to mm-hmm. sit around and be like, well, I'm going to make a 2 e of... The three games that are there is fine. This also is not a call out to people who like to remake their games. Just fucking yeah. do it. I just can't. But uh, this is a call out for people who only make who are only working on one game. Make more games because you have a it's big me. brain. It's me. <laughs> yes, I'm that, it is. I'm that guy. Uh, the, but this isn't the segment. Uh, <laughs> the segment is not call out corner. This is this is talk about Epsilon Corner. Epsilon. <laughs> Engin- so the the thing I love about Epsilon Engine. So like it, it's it's super work in progress. So like. And I have a I have a hard time. I sat on it quietly for a long time because I have this I have a bad habit of and this is probably very relatable to people getting really excited about a project, telling a bunch of people and then like letting it die, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So like I'm now I've I've let it sit for a while before I was like no, this actually has legs. And then I started talking about it publicly to then hopefully keep myself in momentum. So Right now, it's it's very work in progress, and I've done like one quick slice play test just to see if the core mechanic works, and it does. But Epsilon Engine is like, spe- to, to harken back to the beginning of this episode, a lot of my games have like a Pathfinder DNA to them. Whether that is, I really liked this about Pathfinder, but I hated everything else, and I want to make games that hone in on the thing that I like about it. Mm-hmm. Or, I hated this about Pathfinder, and I want to make games that don't, ever touch on these things and like how could i do it better right like there it's it's this idea of like how how can i do what i don't like about this game better like it Mm -hmm. it chooses to engage in this i'm gonna play on its level but do better than it right epsilon engine kind of is is me going ooh, you know what i loved about pathfinder scrolling through the the pathfinder srd like d20 f pf srd and looking through a bunch of feats and classes and coming up with fun character builds that mm-hmm. like I'll never make and I had my old group like literally build characters for me cuz cuz I just was like I can't I can't do the math I fucking hate this <laughs> but they love doing the math so I'm like okay here I have a character I want to make a character that uses a shield and a whip right and they're like boo all right. And they would, like, <laughs> They're like, and, why, dude? Yeah, but they would like give it to me. Like my friends enjoyed that yeah, yeah, challenge. Yeah. They were like, this is a challenge and we're going to make it work. Which is also why I'm like, people who complain about like min-maxing ruins games, I'm like, they, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Because you can have both. Like you can, they're not mutually exclusive being able to play yeah. what you want and also roll good, you know? So Epsilon Engine's whole ethos is builds without balance, right? And I, I love that phrase because it's like, I want to have that sensation of you being able to just like come up with a character that does a bunch of cool things and has that like and and is built through looking through things like looking through catalogs and looking through pages and being like that's a really cool ability I want it right mm-hmm. 
And then being able to like build this character out of all these like various Lego bricks uh, and be like, I made him. This is mine and it's cool. You know, it holds a flame, like, you know, and, 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 and also uh, like, and like, that's the thing I love about Pathfinder and, and like Epsilon Engine is like my first big game, not first Space Between Stars, I would say is probably a bigger, is a pretty big game, but like, Mm -hmm. like in terms of scope, but Epsilon Engine is like, it's like, I want to try and crack, take a crack at like a Genesis or mm-hmm. a, a Spire or a, a, a Pathfinder, right? Like a game that mm-hmm. kind of, and this is like another major through point of it is that I want to make a game where people feel comfortable making content for it. And like, th- these were all the ideas that I have. I know I haven't even talked about the game itself yet, but like, <laughs> but like, I think this is important is that I'm like excited about it because it's like all of these different ideas that like, uh, and I'm looping it into like a lesson real quick Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. I learned from making a bunch of smaller games. I like learned various little tools and like single mechanics with single games that I've made or sketched out like that aren't even out that I've just kind of written up that I can then go, Oh, here's a synthesis of a bunch of mechanics and concepts. And Epsilon Engine's whole thing is that like it is, it's, it's that it's like this like fun synthesis of a bunch of ideas that I messed around with to the point like like you can I can tell you all the through lines and inspirations but it is not a hack of any of them it is 100% like my design so let me actually pitch the fucking game now <laughs> it, it's supposed to be so like I'm a mechanics first person I'm so sorry Jeremy this is gonna be such no, a no it's, it's good. Uh, <laughs> People out here, these listeners are like, get to the goddamn point already. <laughs> this is the point, listeners. I'm a very, yeah. I'm a very aggressive podcaster. Listen, the movie doesn't show you a scene for no reason, it's so just true. keep listening. This is it. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm a mechanics first person, or or there's like I have a weird dichotomy. I love world building, I love setting building, but I sometimes, mm-hmm. but I. I feel weird asking people to play in settings that I wrote. Like mm-hmm. I'll always kind of write world building elements to things. I'll be like, you make the setting because if you're attached to it, you'll love it. Because mm-hmm. when I write a setting, I'm attached to it and I love it. And therefore I want other people to feel comfortable in the world that they're making. Right? Like when you play in a game that you've had a say in you, there's that buy-in. So Epsilon, so the, the actual like system, like the Epsilon engine is the name of like the system is its own like kind of thing. And, and it's a little like, I'll, I'll get into the, the, the mechanics of it, but like the built in setting that I'm kind of working with, like the point is that it has like a, a mechanics loop, but it's very tied to a setting. So like as a, as a designer, you can like <clears throat> write up a bunch of content that like makes a lot of sense for your setting. But the Epsilon game, and I think this is just a really fun pitch. So like the the the, the tie-in setting that I'm writing for it is is a setting that I really like called Epsilon City, thus the name. <laughs> and the the Epsilon City's whole thing is I wanted to make a game that was like weird sci-fi with aliens and shit, but no FTL, like or like no space travel. I didn't mm-hmm. want to worry about other planets and stuff like that. Like, to the point where I was like, I don't even want players to be like, I want to go to space. It's just like... <laughs> it's not allowed. Yeah. So, like, it's it's like an alternate Earth, 
like okay so the, the pitch is 100 or so years in the future of a parallel earth where magic exists we have like hyper technology and really cool magic and humanity has like made a bunch of really cool shit like we're like way in the future we're like utopiaized and stuff like that but we have not cracked fast enough light travel so they try so like a bunch of really like a bunch of the top scientists and engineers and spellcasters all try and come together and do the impossible, which is mix intense magic with intense technology to create a faster than life engine, a faster than light engine. As soon as they turn it on for the first time to test it to see if it works, it explodes in like this ginormous explosion <laughs> that ignites the core of the earth and turns it into a wormhole and causes like the earth to crack apart and all of its like <laughs> all of its parts just start blowing up but then in like a few <laughs> frames of a second every parallel earth that's trying this exact same thing all of like the the all the highest level magic users are like uh oh and then like tether the various chunks of earth to each other in their parallel worlds through the wormhole and doing so overlaps every parallel dimension at once. So you have like this like huge city. So like the, the, the thing is like then after this whole calamity happens, you have this continent sized super city of all of these different species from all these different parallel Earths, and it's called Epsilon City, named after the engine, the Epsilon engine that blew up. Uh, and there's this big old crater, like this big old hole, it's not even a crater, it's just like a hole in the middle of it that overlooks this wormhole that used to be the core of the Earth that things come out of, and you just have like every, it's, it's like an infinite city. So the point is, I'm like, this is my, this, this is my convoluted reason for why you can have magic and sci-fi and aliens and like were werewolves and vampires like anything could be possible in this world because it, like you just have fun with it and that's like the that's like the pitch so i'm like that's what epsilon that's like epsilon city and that's like the the game i'm building is like here's your setting buy-in but also anything is possible in the setting so have fun like do what you want if you want to have like a, a section of this where like it's just a fantasy medieval fighting game sure just say there's this like weird there's this weird district in epsilon city where medieval times like blew up or like you know a parallel earth which is still during like <laughs> like fantasy D and D times just yeah. overlapped onto us and you're like uh oh guess we're playing in this now like it's <laughs> literally fair run no, exactly. And so that that's like and and in a setting like that, I'm like I don't want people to care about whether or not their dice are good. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I want them to just have fun. Like just mm -hmm. go like bonkers to balls <laughs> to the wall just like enjoying themselves. Absolute uh, gonzo. I love it. Mhm. Mm uh so like the the actual mechanics of Epsilon Engine are like are like you have like stress, like you have like active skills and passive skills. Active skills you roll dice for, passive skills you automatically succeed. So and there's this idea of like, you're not rolling dice all the time in this game. Your competent characters is another like ethos for mm -hmm. it. Like our theory is like, I wanna make competent characters, characters that actually like can do the things that they wanna do, right? There's a lot of games which, like I would say like 5e is like a competent character system, right? Like it's just mm -hmm. like, you're not failing all the time. It's not the point. The mm -hmm. point is to kind of have fun and to succeed. Like I brought up earlier, I want to, 
I want to make games that are about succeeding a little bit more. And yeah. uh, and that's what like Epsilon is. But the, it's like a game of like keeping track of like fatigue. So every active skill, when you like actively try and do something, when like the outside world has an influence on your innate ability, has a fatigue tracker. So you're like tracking fatigue. So whenever you roll for your pursuit active skill, like pursue is whenever you try and chase something down, you like tick a fatigue in it. Like you're you're using it so you get a little t- more tired. And if you max out on fatigue, you take a fracture. And like, that's just like, oh, you've pushed yourself too hard. Here's like, there's no health, right? It's just like, mm-hmm. here's a narrative, here's like a narrative penalty that has mechanical, you know, penalties to it. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I'm trying to pursue, but I push myself too far. You're like, depending on the action, whether it's like, I'm literally trying to run after somebody, you can be like, like you're winded, right? Like your fracture is you're like incredibly winded and you're just going to like take penalties to to pursue for a while until the recovery action is just you take a break, right? Mm-hmm. And then like, so that's, and then also like your fatigue track. I, it's a very visually game, so I hope people can follow along. I hope you're following along, <laughs> fine. But like each fatigue track also has like, like boons and banes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so like mm-hmm. when you roll dice you not only get uh, a binary success and failure, but every every roll also nets you with a few boons or banes. And you can kind of see where you are. So like the more tired you are, the more banes you'll get. And banes are just kind of narrative currency for the mm-hmm. GM and the players at the table to be like, oh, these are additional things that go wrong, whether you succeed or not. And then mm-hmm. boons are the same way where it's, but it's just like good things that happen to you. And uh, so you have like passive skills, active skills, boons and banes, fatigue and doubles. So like another whole thing is you're rolling D6 in this game. For, for people who care, it's a, it's a D6 pool. Fives and higher are a success. So you're, you're rolling dice and you're looking for fives fives and sixes doubles when you roll doubles they're like a spendable currency and advantage dice so advantage dice sorry i'm just laying out a bunch of mechanics but no I'll, keep going i keep swear going. i know what like just stick with me everyone and then advantage <laughs> dice which are just d4 and i'm very happy with this little bit of tech it's just mm-hmm, like you mm-hmm, roll d4 mm-hmm. they act the exact same way as other dice but they are just incapable of succeeding like mathematically they cannot roll a- <laughs> but they can create doubles like the whole point of advantage dice is that they like help you create doubles and you can Mm -hmm. spend those doubles to do things. So these are what I call gears. Like I have a, I have like a metaphor that I use a lot with games is it's like gears. So like my game is like, you know, it's a machine Mm -hmm. Uh, and all of these are little gears in them and they all kind of turn and make the game happen. And each of them on their own, it sounds like a lot, but like by testing it, I'm like there, it seems like, it is a higher competency game, like in terms of that. Like you, you kind of have like these base mechanics that take a little bit to get used to. Like you're not going to get it right on your first roll, but like mm-hmm. by your third roll of your first session, it seems like people who are used to used to a little bit more complex games, and they're like, okay, this loop seems to make sense to me, and mm-hmm. I really like that. Like I, that's what I wanted to make sure it happens. But the the point of Epsilon Engine is, and like like a design. Thing I can like, you know, advice I can give to people that I like to think about is like gears that then expand based on how you want to play your character. So you have like all of these different options, and based on what kind of talents you get, talents are like feats, they're whatever, they change up how you play. So again, like builds without 
balance is some characters like the like the like the urban ear is like mm-hmm. one of the starting characters or the the thread baron I, I also just love giving them like really ridiculous names yeah, um, yeah. like the urban ear so all of the different starting talents that I've written out already mess with one of these gears so I just listed mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff but when you play the game you as a player have a baseline of just knowing what these are but then you get to focus in on one of these mechanics so your Mm. gear like so the urban ears gear are boons and banes you want to like push your fatigue around so that you get to declare these boons and banes and get men uh, and then like basically world build like the urban ears whole thing is that they can they could be like oh i like (laughs) i like spend these boons to to like create a doorway that wasn't there before you know what i mean like Mm. oh like i found a way out like I put myself in a bad situation. I have Banes, right? I've rolled Banes. So these would normally be bad things that the GM can throw at you. But then you get to say, like, I'm spending them to put myself in a bad situation, but then put a friend in a better situation, right? Mm-hmm. So their whole thing is, like, very, like, high narrative kind of on-the-fly world building. While the, like, Thread Baron is kind of like magic and they gain a new active skill called, I think I changed it to Gaze. And it's it's it's, like actionable phrases when you gaze when you like gaze at the the threads of reality right because their whole thing is they're like a magic class that they like mm-hmm. bend reality to their will that active skill you're not going to roll it often is the idea but it becomes a like a mana track because you can mm-hmm. you can take fatigue to gaze to get other actions benefits so mm-hmm. like it that that's kind of like what i like about Epsilon Engine a lot is like this builds with that balance this like I get to make a crunchy game that people can opt into like there's a base level of complexity but then you get to opt into what you care about right Mm -hmm. so like if you care if you want to manage fatigue play a thread baron because the whole point of it is that you now have like one of your fatigue trackers is like is mana and Mm -hmm. you can take fatigue to it and you're not rolling it too often but if you still go over you take a fracture so you Mm -hmm. have to worry about that there's like other ones like the bullet witch has like items and like their whole thing is they they care a lot about doubles like the the i think like that and the the brink mage like they care a lot about spending doubles you gain Mm -hmm. a lot of abilities where like when you roll doubles you get to like spend them to do things the bullet which is like you have a cool gun and you're building up how this cool gun messes (laughs) with magic and stuff like that And, and like so that's like a big tenant and i think like i really like that about a complex game that like is a nice synthesis of a bunch of things I've done throughout uh, my years of game design. And then like on top of all this, like even if, and this is like another thing I really hope for it is this might seem like a complex game. And like I said, there is a base complexity to it, but I wanted to read like, like I wanted to read simply. Like I hate reading games where you're like, Oh, like, the, like there's just like a bunch of dice numbers and pluses and minuses like right in the middle of a statement, right? Like when a spell is like, hey, oh, it's like, oh, you get like this really cool fireball and it does a really a lot of cool things. Add plus one D4 uh, L 
to your like to your like B fifty roll, and I'm like, I don't know what this fucking shit is saying, right? Like, it's got like it's got like a bunch of numbers after it that like I need to know what these numbers mean in these order. So like mm-hmm. in Epsilon Engine, I really want to make a game where like everything like you can design for this game by basically just writing out statements. So like. Like with boons and banes and stuff like that, like you're always rolling and generating them. So like when you make content for it, like the way you know on a character sheet whether or not you can spend boons and banes for it, it literally just says like declare a boon as cool statement, right? Like mm. when you roll, when you get boons on the table, you can say I want to declare. Like my character can declare a boon as finding a way out, right? So now mm-hmm. you know, like, you just have it on your sheet. You're just like, cool, when I get a boon, I can do this. Right? And you just have, like, these lists of phrases that aren't, like, dice necessarily, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. not, like, additional, like, it's it's not math, right? Like, when you think about games mm. that have, like, kind of a complexity to them that have builds, like, it's not, like, dice that stack, stack on each other. It's not things, it's narrative power that stacks on each other. So, like, as a player you're looking at your sheet and it should also like tell an idea like in like plain English should tell you what your character can do because you have all these cool shit and I want people to understand cool shit even if they don't understand the game right like like again it's like oh you have like your witch gun like as like a bullet witch you have your like witch tech gun and that just sounds cool (laughs) (laughs) you know and like my witch tech gun can scream and disorient the enemy Mm-hmm. spend a double to scream at the enemy, right? Or like to whisper in your ear mm-hmm. a weakness of your target, right? That is all on top of just rolling dice and if you see doubles, you get to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and like that that's kind of the point of it. Like so that, that's that, that's why it's long-winded, but like the the idea is like complexity that's approachable and there's a bunch of gears, but you as a player opt into how much of the game you care to like deal with right like so like it's it's i'm very happy i'm very happy with where it's going there's like a bunch of other small things like various talents have like like i think about progression constantly in games Mm -hmm. uh because i'm never happy um (laughs) never happy no (laughs) period (laughs) i'm never happy with progression in games and this one i wanted to be like if you want the the talent uh serial liar right like like you're just a really like you lie constantly and you get bonuses to lying the way you unlock it is not through leveling it's through like every talent has a prereq and the Mm. prereq for like liar is gain a reputation for being a serial liar so like narratively Mm. you're just playing through it and the idea is that like you kind of flip through the game catalog and the book or like the website or whatever and you go i like this i want to play towards it Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. and then like you show you tell your gm you tell the table hey i'm trying to get this talent i'm gonna be lying a lot and Mm -hmm. and and again like and and that prereq doesn't say like and succeed you know like you know there's no like threshold to it it's like a conversation with the table to be like oh do you do you all think that i have now like become gone a reputation to it like there's like a trust that's supposed to build at the table a conversation about like a meta plot as well right where you're like Mm -hmm. i want to i want to lie a lot so that people go 
uh, I'm not going to trust you. You're known for lying a lot. And then you go, <laughs> cool. I got a cool new ability because the world has reacted to my character's mm-hmm. story. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's another like talent, which is just getting like sick. Like they're called like, like I forgot what they're called. <laughs> Cyber arms, but like P S Y B E R. Uh, and it's prereq is get some sick ass arms. Like, get some sick ass <laughs> cyber arms. And, like, the point is that you could just, like, go to your GM and be like, hey, I want these cool fucking, like, cyber tech arms, which it's, like, for the Bullet Witch, where, like, if you punch somebody, you can, instead, like, you punch them physically, but you also punch their psyche, and you can spend doubles to, like, to then fight them in their mind. Like, you, like, do damage. Like, it's kind of like plugging in a port into their psyche. Oh, my And God. then, like, fighting them in their mind for a second and doing, like, damage to them within themselves. And so the point is that you get to, like, go to your GM and your table and be like, I want these fucking arms. And then the GM is like, okay, cool. Let's tell a story where you go and get sick-ass arms. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then at the same time, like, other players will be like, hey, I really want, like, this ability and I want this ability. And you're, like, as a table kind of crafting a story where everybody gets to do their cool thing like at the end of the day like maybe the the quest to get these sick ass arms also has the the player who wants to lie a lot lie a lot in it right it's like oh you have to break into this place and it's like cool i'm gonna just say we're allowed in and you're like but you're not it's like yeah i know i'm trying to I'm trying to set trying to do the thing. Yeah, I'm trying to set a reputation. So like that's like kind of the idea of like you're like looking at things, you have a bunch to work with. There's a lot of gears in place, but you should still be like having fun. And the idea of the passive skills is you can just say like, "Oh, I have ranks in I have ranks in facade," which means like people have trouble figuring out when I'm lying, right? Like, I'm just good at that. So the GM doesn't have to ask you to roll all the time. They could just be like, you're telling a story. You have the ranks in it. Cool. This is Mm -hmm. what you're able to get away with. If you want more, you can then roll on top of Mm -hmm. it uh, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So there's, it's, it's a big complex game and I'm just like really happy with it. And I think like if, you know, listeners have stuck around for this long, don't listen to me. (laughs) My biggest piece of advice is like, I've made so many small games that taught me all of these little things that I feel very confident in my ability to synthesize it all into mm. a, a thing. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. We made it. I'm sorry. I just want to. <laughs> no, no, don't be sorry. It's great. Uh, you now uh, are going to take the crown for longest episode oh my God. on the podcast. It's great. Oh. No, don't. Oh my God. I love it. This is, this is not shade throwing. This is okay. an achievement for sure. I tried to like throw in there. I'm like, this isn't just me talking about a game. I'm trying to give advice at the same time. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, this is why I did it. This is why I think it's good. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I, hope, I hope like that wasn't just me talking about my mechanic, but also like you get to kind of I want, I want like people to see the thought process, right? Like mm-hmm. I want people to be like, mm-hmm. you could make these things. Like this isn't like, not just like, oh, I have brain blast ideas. It's like, how do you like think about, ga- like how do you think about games like I think about games, right? Like how do you get to a point where you're confident in yourself to make a big project and it's not something that is daunting? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or like, I'm, I don't feel like I'm in over my head, I think is the important thing. Like a lot of people try and make their big heartbreakers right out the gate. And like, you know, they get trapped in it. Mm. But I'm like, here's my heartbreaker. 
there you go, Jeremy. Here's my heartbreaker, and it like, and I feel comfortable in it, and I want like other people to feel comfortable in their heartbreakers, and like why it happens. So yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. No, no apologies anymore. I'm, I'm going. Yeah, no apologies. Wow, what a what a treasure trove we have gotten today. The only unfortunate part of that whole thing is that you literally answered every one of my questions that I had for Epsilon. <laughs> no joke. So it was just so, me talking. Oh. No, no I, no, I love it. I, I feel bad that I don't have like a stronger rebuttal system. No, the, the biggest no, things that I, that I take away from what you said, and, and this will sort of lead us yeah. to, the, to the space of, of wrapping up here, is that one, I definitely want to pick your brain more about, you just have to come back because you have so much to say. We just automatically have to do a part two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I would love to pick your games around sort of your conceptual gears framework, because mm-hmm. when you say it out loud and you sort of illustrated how you are using that in your game, and I think about Kaleidoscope, part of my design is that I'm trying to create this piecemeal system similar to what you're doing. You have mm-hmm. these base mechanics, and then you build a class out of that concept, right? Yeah. And so when I think about this this gears application, I'm already thinking about like, okay, what can I play with? I can play with like my tempo initiative. I can play with like harm. I can play with clocks. I can play with all sorts of these different things and make those t- talents, but for me it'd be like disciplines or a more like structured class tool set thing, mm-hmm. right? So that's very fascinating. The other thing that I, that I really want to point out that I love about Epsilon is how you use the D4 advantage dice, right? Because Mm -hmm. in your game, you didn't say it, so this is the one thing you didn't say, but you can spend doubles to make another success for yourself as Mm -hmm. as you roll in the game. And I love that advantage die don't automatically give you a success, they work towards a success. And I Mm -hmm. think what that uh, very effectively delineates is that it's an advantage, not an assurity of the situation, which is very, very, very cool. Uh, in fact, it's one of the biggest reasons why I'm very excited about Epsilon Engine or Epsilon City. I don't know which which is going to be the title of the game, you know? <laughs> I don't know either. Uh, it's, it's the engine. I'm just going to say like, the because the, it's, it's, a, it's a whole thing. Yeah, so it's the yeah, engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love that. I love the talents concept. You know, I I agree with you on like the there is no balance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a long time ago, I had spoken with Spencer in like his first episode on the podcast, and we talked about there are worries about balancing more tactically complex games when you make those sort of like battle oriented styles of systems. Mm-hmm. But technically, you can make that tactical battle system because you know when you brought up Passion de la Passiones, mm-hmm. there's no stats. They use conditionals to produce advantages for moves, right? Mm-hmm. So you can have a tactically complex game that's super unbalanced because the balance is shifted towards looking at the narrative rather than numbers. When your game is about the PEMDAS of how does a fireball work, right? Yeah. Then it matters, <laughs> but if that's not the case and you, you have that narrative-focused lens, I think you can really get away with lots of, like, crazy... Like, I constantly think about making, like, the anime, the RPG in yeah. some fashion. The big, explosive, unique power, hero protagonist, overpowered, yeah. whatever. And, like, you live that power fantasy and have all those outrageous, like, moments... And it not affect your experience at the table either, right? You don't want to be one punch man 
at Saitama and have no fun, right? right because exactly. everyone else is not you. But if it's narratively focused, because Saitama only engages with the fiction when Saitama wants to, right? Yeah. So <laughs> if you can capture that essence, then it's a fun, then I think that it would be a fun game because mm -hmm. you could be Genos, you could be a uh, Moomin writer and still in that same group and still have a blast. Exactly. Yeah. Like what? And I think it's like the thing that I want to, I, I worry about, but, and want to make sure that I like get people into is like, if let's say, let's say. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You have a situation where, like, you have somebody who's built their character to be Saitama, right? Like, be this, mm. like, oh, I just got to punch our big bad once and we're done. The idea mm. is that, like... They, like you, the table has a rapport that understands that that's not fun if you just punch the person, right? Mm -hmm. So like the the fun part of it is to like with One Punch Man, like I think like the the point is like if you were to make a One Punch Man RPG where like literally everybody is Saitama, or like <laughs> the the fun is not I get to blow somebody up with one punch. The fun is how the fuck do I land the one punch? Exactly, right? exactly. Like, I'm trying to punch the guy, but they keep not doing it, right? Or even better, it's like, I mean, even like the One Punch Man, like, fighting game that came out did it really well, where, mm -hmm. like, the point is that Saitama is 10 minutes away and cannot get to you. Yeah, and the exactly. the is, how do we survive long enough for <laughs> Saitama to come in and beat him in one punch. Like that's like where the fun is. And that's, that's kind of like what I hope to accomplish with this, which is like, 
even if these situations get wildly imbalanced, right? Mm -hmm. Like you Mm -hmm. have somebody whose entire character is that like, I can convince anybody to do what I want. I'm hoping Mm -hmm. I don't make a character that does that because I feel like that's a little weird. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm tracking. But like, you know, it's like I can get into any place I want no matter Mm -hmm. what, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and, and like the table knows that like the GM knows that. So they're not going to make a, like an adventure, an episode, a session where the challenge is get in, right? Like the challenge should be like, okay, you can get in no matter where you want. Cool. You get in, but like, it's a mirror, like it's like a mirror maze of a place. Mm -hmm. So like, it doesn't matter that you can get in, like you can do that and you've like successfully done it like good job, mm-hmm. but then it ramps and then you go like, okay, here is, I mean, it, it's party comp, right? Like if you have like, yeah. even in D and D it's like make a situation where the fighter gets to be a fighter, the bard gets to be a bard and the paladin gets to be a paladin. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. have fun. Like the, th- like if you have like, like, you know, you have your three characters who's like one person who's really good at fucking killing things. One person who's really good at infiltrating stuff. And one person who's really good at talking to people. You have to, like, I'm hoping that I can make a game where, like, those people can build the character that they want without worry about, like, not being good at it. Because the point mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. you are good at it, so I you should be good at it. And then at the same time, everybody works together to allow the other person to have their moment to do the thing mm-hmm, they're good mm-hmm. at. Yeah, it, it's 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 a fun it's a fun it's a fun and challenging thing to design. Like that is such that is so important to table culture and safety, right? Like the, the, I feel like that's like a part of safety tools at a table is like how do you make sure that players feel included to a lesser degree, but like than than like literal actual like feel comfortable. But but yeah, it's like how do you curate table culture in a game that's as like wildly open as it is yeah great great stuff yeah good stuff just good stuff well i think that is going to get us to the end of this amazing episode viditia it's been it's been it's been a journey and i don't mean that in a shade way i mean that (laughs) that i was here for every second of this ride and you've You've informed a lot of... There's always this interesting event that occurs for me, and I hope for listeners as well, where, you know, there are certain things you're like, okay, I think I have a grasp on this theory, concept, principle, whatever have you about my game, my style of game design, my frameworks, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then someone on the show will say something or illustrate something, and I will go, well now my entire like ecosystem has changed Hmm. because of this one thing right i'm a very like systems thinker so like if one gear in the machine changes the machine is different it operates differently so i hope that other people are being influenced in the same manner i think they should be because you had a lot of good stuff to share today thank you for being on the show where can people find you go ahead and plug something you want people to to buy i mean it better be space between stars but this is also good advertisement stuff for you i want people to i want you to be you know, be proud of your work, people. When you come on the show, plug your stuff, plug yeah. yourself. Here we go. All the links will be in the show notes. Hit. Yeah, well, I mean, like, you know, follow me on Twitter. I've been trying to push a little bit more, trying to, like, talk about these things a little bit better. Like, I'm usually not that great at saying these things, like, in text form, but I'm trying to get a little better at that. So follow me and then also, like, yeah, on Itch, like, if you want to, Space Between Stars is, like, a good like, beginning point of a lot of like what I like about design. And then like, if I were to give, tell people to go through like a journey of my games, so I stars is like kind of unedited. So it's a little tough, but 
if you then go to like a Space Goblins, which talks a lot about like rotating GM, but then is like unabashedly about like you know none of the characters die. It's really like teamwork driven, but also your the GM is constant like the referee is constantly changing. So it's like taking that concept of GMless play, but then making it like rotating. So everybody there is always one person in charge, but that person changes. It's like lateral hierarchy is what I call it. And uh, and then like 60 GMless is another synthesis of like GM agnosticity. So like you cre- everybody's playing with the same rules, but the narrative control changes. So like your pl- your like character sheet all has the same stuff and all everybody plays with the same mechanics, but one person can be a character, like one person could be an adventurer and they're just playing a normal trad slash OSR game while another person can be playing the townspeople and they interact with the game in the same mechanics, but they narratively interact with the game very differently. So like that's kind of, and then like similarly, if you really like the world building, because we actually didn't talk about how much I love world building, but like <laughs> Space Marine Stars has a really good world builder in my opinion. Like if you ever want to just make a space setting, I would recommend looking at it and taking it session zero stuff. Like even if you make the characters and don't play the system, you can take those, I think, to another system and have a very fleshed out game world and characters. And the Galaxy Builder is free, but I have a game called A Land Once Magic, which is an early access right now, so it's just a, a PDF. But it, uh, <laughs> it's, I Does, mean, like, can I execute this PDF? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's really no game here. There's just a PDF, but. <laughs> If you were to, you know, really try and find a game in there. What I mean is it's just it's just a go- an exported Google Doc, uh, which I know is tough for some people, so that's why I bring mm-hmm. it up. But I will say, like, if you have an exported Google Doc as your game, like, fucking good job. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you don't need to lay out your stuff. It's nobody's, it's not your fault. But yeah. um, uh, Land Magic is just a game about, it's like a post-fantasy world builder. I try and take a lot of ideas where you can build a fantasy game that either, that, like, is decolonized or explicitly asks you to think about decoloni- or the, the colonized aspects of fantasy. So it's like fantasy mm-hmm. is full of a lot of problems. And I think like it's tough to decolonize a genre. But if you're, again, like consider it about what's happening in your world, like you're, you're not just like allowing weird biosensualism to happen, but you're thinking about a world of like where magic works differently for different people. Like, why is that? How does it work? I, I like it, but it's it's a it's a, a world builder that kind of takes those aspects of space between stars. So, if you liked what you were hearing about this and you like the game, there it like here is like again like like I said like I design gears, but I test those singular gears in other systems, or I take that and try and like see what happens when I push it the furthest. And like, that's a good kind of journey around things. Like, I think like based on what we've been talking about today, those, those are the kind of the stuff. Other plugs real quick. Uh, I've mentioned it before, but like you should, I would love it if you, if people listening to this were to follow all nerds here, we're currently on our third season playing a game called Cortison Station, or sorry, we're playing a, a show called Cortison Station, which is a sci-fi telenovela drama in the Passion de las Passiones uh, game by Brandon Leon Gambetta. It's really fun. We're an all POC cast. We put a lot of love and yeah, <laughs> we put a lot of love uh, into our world and our game, and I think we do a really really amazing job and I would love to see more people watch us and all the people at all in tier two that's one show I'm on but then like you should stick around for Sunflower Street plays 
for the dungeon. It's just a bunch of puppets. So that's that's really great. And then similarly, like look out for the new content for the Musafers podcast, which again, we're, uh, it's an all POC cast. It's it's an own voices for me, for the GM, for another player on it. So it's it's also really good. I think like, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to, I want people to like support POC developers, big mm-hmm. developers and their projects. Like, with it. I'm with it. So yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, I've been talking to Draw Your Dice. I love, I love it because uh, it's a good show. And also, I'm like, it's great to see, like, you know, it's great to see like a, a, a black creator like putting content out that's about, you know, talking about content. It's just good. It's great. I love it. That's <laughs> what I'm here for. It's what I was made to do. I don't know what I was made to do, but I was cloned. Anyways, that is all the time we have today for Draw Your Dice. Thank you so much for being here with us. I learned a lot. I hope you did too. And we will catch you next time. Say bye to the people, Viditya. Yeah, wait, can I, I came in yeah. the crowd. Can I get a crowd as well? Can I get a... <sighs> Y'all were great. I'll sign <sighs> autographs later. All right, just meet me out back. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, that's a wrap. Viditya, I would love to have you back for another four-hour seminar because you are such a powerful designer. I wish you all the best toward your successes. All the games we talked about today, along with all the links to get in touch with Viditya, will be down below in the show notes for your access. If you liked the show and found it helpful, please send a tip my way by donating on Ko-fi as well as Venmo at DYD Podcast. Or, if you are unable to provide monetary support, you can provide support at no cost by sharing this with someone you thought of while listening to this episode and leaving a review. Both of these methods greatly impact the success of this show and lets me know that what I'm doing is beneficial to designers out there. If you finally got your game off the ground and out in the world, you can tag me at JeremyGage5 over on Twitter with the hashtag IDidIt. That's I-D-Y-D-I-T. Thanks for listening, and I will catch you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.